Welcome to Japanatron. My name's Dave Pavlina. Japanatron uh, is a podcast about uh, Japan and life in Japan and Japanese culture. So let's jump right in. Today's topic, I want to talk about um, health and specifically what Japan taught me about health. And these are things since moving to Japan, uh, these are things kind of embedded in Japanese culture that I think are pretty healthy practices. And really, I think um, maybe other countries and cultures could really benefit from these these things that I've learned. And I'm going to talk specifically about things like in America, comparison to uh, American culture and, and the health over there, uh, because I'm American. So let's, let's get started. The, the first thing, and probably the most important, uh, is that Japan really taught me how to eat. And this sounds silly, of course, but, you know, in America, and this is a, this is a common hot topic, uh, especially with me, is really America has lost its ability to properly feed itself. I mean, it's just insane. And, and like, for example, the portioning. It's just ridiculous. You go to a restaurant in the U.S., and, and most of the time, the portion you receive is, like, for t- at least two people, maybe even three and it's just it's just insane. I mean, the the focus um, on my in my home country is on the quality is the on the quantity. I'm sorry, the quantity over the quality. Whereas in Japan, really the focus is on the quality. Now, true, you, you know, you might argue this is the typical marketing thing is that uh, oh, but it's it's more expensive. And I don't know. I mean, this is a tough call to make because really. Over time, yeah, you might be saving money with the American diet. It might be cheaper, but really, it's taken quite a toll on your health. So, and and let me just say, the fact that um, uh, Mayor Bloomberg of New York uh, tried to ban, you know, large soda (laughs) in New York, he just tried to ban large soda, I think that makes a statement about how messed up uh, the eating and the diet in America is. And I think Japan really, really taught me uh, it just really returned me back to normalcy. Okay, number one, the portions in Japan are more normal. Okay. Uh, second of all, they also are really into family-style meals. And uh, this is pretty cool because it's not just your own plate. You know, you get to share, and you might get to try a lot of a wide variety of dishes. Um, so instead of just ordering one thing, like steak and potatoes, you get to try tons of other dishes. So, like, maybe... Um, it's it's almost like a Thanksgiving dinner. And in a way, I think that actually kind of maintains um, the portion a little bit better because, number one, the plates in Japan, physically, the plates are actually just smaller. Uh, so you're not going to load up this giant plate. This <laughs> It's like a serving platter of food. You know, you, you'll, you'll take, you know, a little bit at a time from this family-style meal. And there's not as much pressure to just finish everything that's on your plate. Because you're, you're kind of like, you're kind of dishing it out in these smaller little plates. It's almost like an appetizer-sized plate. Um, and and this, is, this is really common in Japan. Of course, another reason, and I've touched on this before, is the fish and rice base. I mean, that's just really a good way to, 
<laughs> this is a, a great base for a for a healthy diet. Fish and rice. Uh, you can't really go wrong with that. Um, so the other thing that Japan does well, and this is especially in big cities like Tokyo, is they don't have the culture of like stocking up at Costco, you know, and just filling your massive refrigerator with like a, a month or two of food. Uh, which is then stored for long periods of time before consumption. This is kind of the American style, you know, the SUV. You go drive down to Costco on the weekend, and you got food for the next two months. Uh, Big cities like Tokyo, they don't have this culture. And, you know, I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb and say probably cities like New York uh, don't have this culture either because they have uh, that really really dense city center with... um, with a really great public transportation system. So they got it kind of more the, the mom and pop system, the smaller shops. You buy it and you eat it that day. And I think that's a good idea because the food is going to be fresher. You're not storing it as long. And really, you can't go wrong with that again. So there's number one. Japan taught me how to eat. Um, another thing, number two, Japan got me into tea culture. Oh my God, how great is this? I was missing out so big time, and really, if you've never lived or experienced a country with tea culture, especially Eastern tea culture, uh, you're really missing out. Uh, I mean, this is insanely great. Um, Let's see, my favorite teas, jasmine and oolong, oh my god. I mean, again, you cannot go wrong with tea. It is zero calories, zero calorie hydration, and in the East... Unlike, I'd say, in the West, they almost never sweeten the tea. And that's really a tragedy in the West, is, you know, you get this passion fruit iced tea, um, and it's sweetened or something. Now, a lot of a lot of restaurants in the U.S., especially in places like California, the health-conscious health California, uh, you know, they're, they're giving you the, the unsweetened passion fruit tea and all that. Um, but I would say just in general, in Japan, there's just better and stronger tea culture here. You find tea in half-liter bottles, um, in vending machines all over the place, and really not so much soda. You know, there's not really the pop culture, pardon the stupid pun, uh, that the uh, the U.S. has uh, in Japan. Coffee is popular here, though. Um, and coffee always gets a bad rap as, you know, they just say tea is just better for you. Um, but, you know, coffee is zero calorie unless you, you know, dump tons of sugar and, 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 you know, milk and whatever in there. But I would just say the tea culture in Japan is really awesome. And it's really, it's really, I've really gotten into it. Um, and it's, it's really interesting because in Japan, you can just chug a bottle of tea, you know, like during a workout or something like that. And I've really never thought of doing that ever in the U.S., I think most Americans would find that kind of odd to, like, chuck a bottle of tea. <laughs> chuck? Ch- chug. Sorry. <laughs> Messed up on my verbs there again. Chug a bottle of tea, you know, like after an exercise workout or something. So, um, if caffeine is a concern, uh, which it is if uh, if you like tea, um, because jasmine and oolong both have uh, caffeine, there is also this tea called mugicha, which is based on wheat which is heavenly, and it's often given to kids. And I remember when I took my um, when I took my two year old daughter to the U.S., uh, people were just really shocked by the fact that she was drinking wheat tea. You know, she, they're like, "What is she drinking?" She's like, "She's drinking tea." 
because the typical little kid drink in the U.S. is like apple juice, which is fine. You know, it's fruit juice, uh, but it is loaded with calories and it still is sugar. True, you know, it's like quote unquote natural sugar, but it is still sugar. And you're raising you're raising kids on sugar. You know, you're getting them into the sugar, which then the next step, you know, it's almost like apple juice is a gateway drug, which then leads to like soda. <laughs> And then it's all downhill from there. I mean, it's just a, it's just a culture of just way too many calories. Whereas if you have a culture of tea, it's zero calorie hydration, and you raise kids on tea, and as odd as it sounds to a culture like the U.S., uh, which it was odd to me for a while, tea is awesome. It is just awesome. And it's just so versatile. There are herbal teas and caffeine-free, caffeine-free teas and all these kind of things that the East does, that the West, the West just kind of pigeonholes tea into this kind of category. Um, whereas I think Asia in general just does, hey, tea is just for everything. It, it's just way more versatile. Um, so tea, you gotta love it. Moving on, number three, Japan really got me into gargling. <laughs> Japanese people love this. They love gargling. <laughs> And you hear, you often hear like old Japanese men just doing it in the most loud and obnoxious manner possible. And they're really into gargle culture. They love this. They're big believers in it. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily for the teeth and mouth hygiene, uh, like kind of like what I associated gar- uh, gargling with in the U.S., but really like general health, you know, things like preventing colds and things like that uh, for gargling. And specifically, they sell this dark brown gargle. I think it's dark brown because it's based on iodine. I'm going to go on a limb and say that. And you mix this stuff with water and you you gargle it. And it does taste medicine-y. I will say that. It's not like Listerine. Medicine, I mean, Listerine is medicine-y. Like the old school, traditional, like, you know, that golden color Listerine. It does have a medicine-y taste, but it's not overwhelming because it is diluted. And Japan really, in general, doesn't do like those strong flavors of stuff. They don't really have the strong chemicals that uh, the U.S. is really a big fan of. So, um, it is, uh, I have gotten used to it. Um, And they say that in Japan, when you feel a cold coming on, they say to start gargling this stuff like crazy. And I gotta say, this stuff works. There have been a number of times where I've felt, you know, like that feeling like, oh my god, I think I'm coming down with a cold. You know, you're just on the brink. And if you don't do something quick, it's gonna just, it's just gonna, you know, it's just gonna turn into a full-on cold, and you're screwed. And in the U.S., people would usually say, load up on vitamin C. And this is a common thing, and I think this is kind of bullshit, Because I remember at UCLA sitting in a statistics class and the teacher ran through this statistical example uh, talking about uh, vitamin C and colds. And he proved through statistics that it was bullshit. Um, And I I kind of agree with that because vitamin C just doesn't seem to always do it. I I think it's just kind of one of those things that's an an urban myth. Uh, but with the uh, with the gargling, I really do think it works, and Japan has converted me. I am also a big believer in gargling, um, and I sound like an old man saying this, but um, I really wish in the U.S. I'm sure you could find it if you really looked maybe at an Asian store or something that um, 
that brown uh, gargle because it's incredible. And it's cute because in traditional Japanese style, they put like this this cute little uh, anime character on it. This like, uh, it's like a hippo, a hippopotamus and his little like hippopotamus baby. And they're both gargling this stuff. <laughs> I'm a big believer in it. Gargling. Hell yeah. Good for you, Japan. You've converted me. Okay, number four, moving on. Uh, socialized medicine. Um, this one's kind of controversial because, especially as an American, I'm really into individual freedom. And there's always that uh, common controversy, that common criticism of socialist anything that really you're just saying that the general public can't take care of themselves. So they need the all and powerful and wise government to take care of the general population. And you have to surrender your freedom, surrender your power of choice uh, to certain systems like retirement or medicine, and you have to let Papa government take care of you. And yeah, that's a common criticism. And I share that criticism, um, especially when it comes to retirement. If it's one thing I miss about the US, it's the power I have over my own retirement savings. I can choose what kind of investments it goes in, there are a lot of optional programs in the U.S. that I can participate in or not participate in, um, and the tax savings do encourage you to participate, but they don't force you to participate. And when I am participating, I have a lot of control, a lot of control over where my money's going, and I can see how my money is doing and if it's growing or whatnot. So there's the common criticism when it comes to anything that's socialist. However, when it comes to medicine, I will say that the general advantage of socialist medicine that I've noticed from living in Japan is that people just kind of get on your ass. <laughs> it's almost like socialist medicine is like a, a nagging mother that <laughs> just kind of nags you about getting uh, health checks, uh, about losing weight, and they just kind of get on your ass about stuff. And in a way, it's good. Because it just kind of gives you a good kick in the ass, you know? So I'll give you some examples. Number one, every year at my office, we have a yearly health check. And the office manager sends out an email to everybody that says, you got to get your yearly health check. This is where we're doing it. Call this number. Here's what you got to do. You got to sign up, blah, blah, blah. Uh, postcards will come uh, from the, the city office sometimes. Free health check. You can get a free health check. Uh, also, during flu season, which is, you know, like right now, uh, the uh, HR woman will send another email out at her at her uh, office saying, hey, you can get your flu shot. And this is all, by the way, paid for by the company or the government. So it's really zero cost. Um, so there's really no reason not to do this. And they kind of <laughs> there's these emails and postcards that just keep coming and they kind of pester you. And really, the company... I believe is required uh, to, to basically encourage you to get your health check. I do not know what happens if, if you do not get your health check. I don't know what happens. So they just kind of keep pressuring you with all this obnoxious spam type stuff to, to just get your, get your body checked out every year, get a flu shot, and blah, blah, blah. So when you go to the health check, and I'll never forget this, every year I go to the health check, and it's very socialist. I gotta wear, like, the same pajamas. <laughs> it just very... It feels very communist. I gotta put on the same outfit, and I gotta sit in this giant waiting room 
with a bunch of other dudes all wearing the same like pajamas. And we got to go through this system. And one step is I got to pull up my shirt and then some nurses, like it seems like two or three of them. I don't know why they need so many. Uh, they measure my belly to see how overweight I am. They, they literally just put a measuring tape around my stomach. And they're, they're kind of giggling as they're measuring my belly. And let me tell you, nothing, nothing on earth will motivate you more to lose weight and to exercise than that yearly health check which with a bunch of young, relatively good-looking and cute nurses measuring your stomach, your bare-ass stomach, every year. So that's really what motivates me to keep working out and keep eating relatively healthy is that that goddamn yearly health check where I got to pull up my shirt and I do not want this big-ass fatty spare tire to flop out in front of them. I want like a, you know, a ripped six-pack, you know, because that's awesome. And that's really what motivates me. And say, hey, that's socialist medicine, man. That is socialist medicine. That is the power of it. Okay. Another thing during this health check, and this is actually before it, is um, I have to fill out this questionnaire about my all my habits, about how much I drink, uh, how much I exercise, how much sleep I get, if there's anything I want to talk about. Um, so... Again, that's another form of pressure that I think Japan really does well with their socialist system. Now, you're right. I could totally lie my ass off on this thing. But, you know, they're going to find out because they're going to take a blood test. They're checking my pee. They're checking my poopy. They know what's going on. They know how much I'm drinking. They know everything about me because they've looked at my poopy. So, really, you can't lie on that questionnaire because they're going to fight. They're going to figure out the truth anyway. Okay, and there's going to be a doctor or a nurse or both. There's just going to give you a hard time. <laughs> if you're not in the greatest of health, you got like a spare tire, you're drinking too much, you're not getting enough sleep, they're going to figure out and they're just going to give you shit. They're going to give you a hard time about it. And the, basically the idea here is to kind of like pressure you to, to get healthy. And oh, good for you, Japan, man. Good for you. That works. It works for me. It certainly pressures me. And on a wider scale, I would say socialist medicine goes beyond just the kind of social pressure from the system itself. But it moves beyond. I mean, you got the government pressuring you. You got my company, you know, like your company pressuring you. You got HR, you know, saying you got to get this health check. Here's a free flu shot, blah, blah, blah. And then you got society. And this is kind of beyond the socialist medicine system. But Japanese in general are slender. I would say they're more slender than Americans in general, generally speaking. And that is pressure as well. So that really works well. When you have a, a slender, healthy eating, you know, health conscious population that you're living amongst, then, you know, the, the pressure is there to stay healthy. And it really works. If you're going to live in a city where almost everybody is overweight, then really it's just acceptable to become overweight and live an unhealthy lifestyle. So you're gonna if you're gonna live in that environment, then you'll probably become overweight and live an unhealthy lifestyle as well, just because there's really no social pressure to um to stay healthy, to stay thin. Everybody else is fat, so yeah, I don't care. I'll do it too. Doesn't really matter. Um, so Japan really does that well. Is that I'd say in general, it's a pretty slim, slender, health conscious. Uh, 
uh, population here. So they, they really do a good job of that. So good for you, Japan. You, t you taught me the value of that. Okay, um, another one. Uh, I think I'm on number five. Uh, Japan, and especially cities, big cities like Tokyo, they have really, really taught me the value, the incredible power and value of natural exercise. Now, this is exercise uh, that you don't really have to think about. It's not like you're scheduling, you know, an hour or two out of your day to go to the gym and work out. It's not something you make time for. It is just exercise that is built into your daily routine. For example, your morning commute has 30, day, 30 minutes of walking, for example. Mine probably has, I'd say, about 20 to 25 minutes of walking every day. Um, and in some cases, I actually get off a station early um, before my uh, actual stop because there's a beautiful park in central Tokyo that I can just walk through um, from the station before to my office. And it's a nice, gorgeous walk, especially in the morning. And I do that to add actually even more time to my walking, my morning commute. Again, it's just something built into my commute. And this is the most powerful and most valuable form of exercise because it is so easy to do. It is just a habit that I don't ever have to think about, really. It's just, it's just I just do it automatically. It's just like sleeping or eating. And it's brilliant. And I think other cities, especially cities with really great public transportation, uh, have this. So I'm not saying this is particular to Japan or even Tokyo. I'm sure cities like New York with great public transportation have this as well. Cities like LA, hell no. Hell no. This is why I probably never, I can never move back to LA. If I ever choose to go back to the US, I'd have to choose a city that conveniently allows for this because LA gets an F on this. Cities like New York, or I've even heard, um, I've been into the show um, Portlandia lately, and I've heard that Portland, Oregon has really great public transportation. So that's possibly a city I could live in because it, it looks like a city I could possibly built, uh, build this natural exercise into my daily routine. is incredibly powerful. And in fact, I think it's probably one of the lesser known advantages in cities with really great public transportation. People always just think about the convenience or the money-saving properties of a city with really great public transportation. But this natural exercise thing to me is probably the number one advantage if you can live in a city not only without having to own a car which is awesome by itself but also a city with with that public transportation you get lots of exercise just from your daily life in that city and that really is incredible and that is something that japan with its superior rail system does incredibly well throughout its largest cities the countryside not as well because you need a car often but even when I lived in the countryside, I did not own a car for my two years out in the countryside. And the bike was incredible. I got a ton of exercise from that bike, and I also got to see a lot of the, um, the city and the countryside areas that I probably never would have if I was, you know, in a, stuck in a car all day or something. Uh, because you really get to experience the uh, environment, <laughs> so to speak, in the, uh, in the bicycle. On the bicycle. Blah. God, my English is terrible. All right. So, to summarize, those are the things that Japan taught me about health. And uh, thank you very much, Japan. 
I really appreciate it because uh, you have made this American all the more healthy with your culture. So thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Uh, again, uh, if you're interested in Japanatron, go to japanatron.com. I got all my links up there, all the Twitter and YouTube and Facebook and all that stuff up at the top. Uh, maybe if you have time, leave me a comment. Um, I like to hear from listeners if there's any of you out there listening to this. Uh, it also helps me, uh, helps motivate me to continue doing this show. Uh, so yeah, thank you very much and have a good day. You, you have a very good day or evening or whatever. Toodles! Receive this transmission from the Comedy Podcast Network. For more shows, visit comedypodcastnetwork.com.